I sure love brother and sister Kifley. I'm so glad they're here. Just wonderful people. And uh, above and beyond that, we have been uh, the beneficiaries of Brother Kifley's ministry. And uh, the several times that he has preached, it has just been so, so good, so rich, so, so on target. And we just felt led to ask him to preach here tonight. Brother Kifley, we love you and your family. Just delighted that you're calling this home for now. And we want you to come and preach in the name of Jesus. All over this house that you would lift your voice as we lift our hands, as we lift our hearts, and let's just love him for just a moment. God, we love you, Jesus. Oh, somebody magnify the Lord with me, and let's exalt his name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place, and amen. I do not take that lightly. If you have your Bibles, the book of St. John, chapter number three, as you're turning there, I want to give honor to Bishop Mayo, Sister Mayo. I give honor to my lovely wife. And last Monday at 4.33 p.m., amen, weighing in at seven pounds and 14 ounces, Amen. We welcomed our second child, our first son, Lemuel Nahom Kifle. And we are beyond overjoyed. And um, we're just grateful that he was born in Washington. Praise God. <laughs> Why don't you love the Lord one more time? Give him some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 It's also great to have my, uh, my mother here. She's been helping us, and so very thankful that she's here as well tonight. The book of John, chapter number three, very, very familiar territory. Amen. When you're there, say amen. That sounds like everyone. John, chapter number three, verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time? into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And for the next several moments, I would like to preach on a subject titled, Before You Proceed. Before You Proceed. Let's put our Bibles down and lift our hands to heaven one more time and let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We know that your word is inspired. We know that your word is sharper than any other two-edged sword. I pray, God, that you would touch my mind, that I could think your thoughts. I pray, God, that you would touch the ears of the hearers, that they might receive with meekness the engrafted word 
of God in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. One more time, give the Lord a hand clap of praise as you're seated. God bless you. You can be seated. I don't know about you, but I want to go to the next level. I don't know what that includes. I don't know what that entails. But I'm not satisfied with where I am. I'm thankful for the progress I've made. Amen. But I haven't come this far to just stop. You see, everywhere Jesus went, he preached really a simple message. He preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In a time and place where many were primarily concerned with the restoration of the earthly kingdom of Israel, Jesus insisted and persisted in preaching the kingdom of heaven. When he sent his disciples out to preach, Jesus instructed them likewise to preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and that the response of the recipients to this message should be one of repentance. The Lord's parables were prefixed with the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. The Lord's prayer instructs us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of heaven is not simply limited to the place where the redeemed will spend eternity with the Lord. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but it's a whole other thing to have heaven come down in your life. Jesus' message was not that the kingdom of heaven existed, but that it was at hand. We know from scripture that of the increase of his government, there is no end. And at this particular point in junction in history, the kingdom of heaven had expanded and increased to the point where anyone could access and interact with it and within it in a new and unprecedented way. Yet many people would still struggle to understand just exactly what had become accessible to them through the earthly ministry of Jesus and ultimately through his sacrifice on Calvary. While some understood and followed Jesus, many amen, would be locked into their carnal and fleshly paradigm. They would hear the parables, they would eat the food, and they would simply go home. They could only understand his words from the narrow and myopic perspective of their flesh. However, there was those who were hungry enough to pursue Jesus when the crowds had left. Even though all they could do was discern the contours, but not the substance of his message, they wanted to go to another level. Can you say amen? amen. The most poignant example of this is seen in the brief encounter that we've read about in your hearing tonight between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a prominent man, a ruler in the Jewish community. And perhaps for fear of public reaction, he comes to Jesus by night. Nicodemus initiates the conversation, but Jesus quickly directs the conversation towards, everybody say, the kingdom. He tells Nicodemus that except a man be born again of the water, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus is unclear, so it seems that Jesus reiterates himself to further clarify. Except a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Regardless of Nicodemus' stated desire or his general caution in visiting Jesus, we know that he wanted to go to another level. 
But before you can proceed to another level, we must first be able to perceive that there is another level. This is why Jesus first and foremost informs him that he needs to be born again just to see the kingdom of heaven. And then secondly, he informs him that he had to be born again so he could enter the kingdom of heaven. The truth is that in our sinful and unregenerated state, not only are we incapable, amen, of perceiving the kingdom of God, we are incapable wholly, amen, of entering the kingdom of God. And tonight, I want to preach to those who feel stuck or frustrated in life. I want to preach to those who feel stagnant. I want to preach to you that God does have another level for you. That God has another level of blessing in your life. That God has another level of anointing in your life. That God has another level of the miraculous in your life. God has another level of healing for your mind. God has another level. But before you can proceed, you must perceive. And so my prayer tonight is that God would open up our eyes to what it is that he's doing in the last hour. And when somebody stand up and give him some praise. Amen. Our ability to proceed to the next level is contingent on our ability to perceive it from where we are at the moment. And tonight I want to preach about the three things that you must see in order to advance in the kingdom. I mean, the first thing you have to see is the kingdom itself. Amen. And the only way you can do that is being by being born again of the water and of the spirit. I mean, there is no way to get around this. There is no way to circumvent this process. I mean, it doesn't matter how, how many degrees they have, what seminary they went to. Until you're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, you have zero perception of the kingdom of heaven. I've come to stand up and preach and to reaffirm that there's only one way and meant to even enter into the, the kingdom of heaven. And that is you have to have your eyes opened up to the reality. And the only way you can have that done is if you repent of your sins, is if you're baptized in Jesus' name, is if you is if you receive the Holy Ghost with the sign and the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. You can't even perceive it until you're born again. You can desire it, but that doesn't mean you understand it. The Bible says that Abraham went out not knowing whither he went. And then he went out, he knew what he wanted. He couldn't understand it. He couldn't explain it. And I'm telling you, people come to the house of God, and they're here like Abraham, not knowing amen, where they're going, what they want. They just know they want to go to another level. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like being born again of the water and of the Spirit. Uh, can I get some good saying of God to testify and say, when I got baptized, I began to see things I never saw. When I got the Holy Ghost, I began to see things I never saw. I saw people different I saw myself differently I saw my money differently I saw the church differently I saw my pastor differently because before you proceed you must perceive somebody give him the praise Hallelujah. amen you'd be surprised what people do in the world to gain new perspective They'll take LSD, DMT, marijuana, amen, crystal meth, mushrooms, fentanyl, 
They'll look for someone to help them decalcify their pineal gland, open up their third eye. But when you really think about it, all you really got to do is get down to the local apostolic church. You want to see things you ain't never seen? If you're not baptized in Jesus' name, amen. I'm giving you your marching orders. It's time to get down to the water because God has things for you that you have no comprehension of. And you will not be able to perceive them until you are baptized in Jesus' name. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Amen. When you're a new creature, you've got new features. You have new eyes, a new mind. You have new appetites, a new perspective. I'm telling you, before you proceed any further, you must be able to perceive the kingdom of heaven. One more time, give him some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new, new to you, maybe nobody else around you, but when you get the Holy Ghost and when you get baptized, everything is new to you. And then the air is a little crisper. And then the sun's a little brighter. And then all of a sudden you're not moaning and groaning because everything is new to you. Amen. There's something about the transformational power of the new birth. We don't call it the new birth for no reason. Hallelujah. You have to see the kingdom at large. And within that, you have to see the king himself. The revelation and the identity of the mission of Christ is paramount to advancing in the kingdom. Jesus gathered his disciples together and said, Who do men say I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter, as we know, responded and said, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God. And it was only after confessing, amen, this revelation of Christ, that Christ began to confess the revelation of Peter. He said, you're the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. You see, people are lost in this modern day and age because secularism and humanism has taught them that they need to find themselves and then life will be good. But in the church, we teach the opposite. We teach that if you can get a revelation of Jesus, you can get a revelation of yourself. You have to get a revelation of the identity and of the mission of Christ because the two are inseparable. The moment you separate the identity and the mission of Christ, you start baptizing in the titles because you don't understand how the full humanity and the full deity and then affects your salvation, which is the mission of Christ. It says that his name shall be called Jesus. That's his identity. For he shall save his people, amen, from their sins. That's the mission of Christ. The mission and the identity of Christ are intertwined. You cannot separate them. And without this revelation, amen, we are hopeless to advance in the kingdom of God. What am I preaching? You need a revelation of the mighty God in Christ in order to advance in the kingdom. Hear, oh, Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he said that word, 
was made flesh is that he dwelt among us and then to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world not to the second person of the Trinity God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself there is no advancing beyond that revelation because before you proceed you must perceive that Jesus is God in flesh can you say amen hallelujah Furthermore, you must get a revelation not just of the identity and the mission of Christ, but of the holiness of Christ. In Isaiah chapter number 6, it was the year King Uzziah died. Amen. And Isaiah writes of his cousin, actually, Uzziah. He said that he died in, in that year. He said, I also saw the Lord. He said he was high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And there were seraphims. And the Bible says each of them had six wings with twain. They covered, amen, their faces with twain. They covered their feet and with twain they flew. And he said there was one and he cried out. And he began to sing and shout, holy, holy, holy. Amen is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory and at this revelation and then at the awestruck and powerful revelation and then of the pure unadulterated holiness of God the prophet himself and then began to say woe is me I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell amongst the people I mean, of unclean lips. But I'm telling you, at that moment, he got a revelation. I and mean, then by contrast, I and mean, of the holiness of God. And in the filthiness of his own righteousness. And can I tell you, before you proceed any further in the kingdom, you need a revelation of the holiness and the splendor and the power of God Almighty. I'm telling you, there is nothing like it. And... I'll tell you why. I mean, they're not having a move of the Holy Ghost at every old neighborhood church. It's because they don't have a revelation, amen, of the mighty God in Christ or of the holiness. Or do they have a revelation, amen, of the one God, Acts 2.38 message. There is no advancing beyond these points. I hope I'm still preaching to somebody who can stand up and say, I'm apostolic from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I'm not backing down from Acts 2.38. I'm not backing down from, from living soberly, righteously in this present life. I'm not backing down. Amen. From the mighty God in Christ. From the Godhead. The fullness of the Godhead. In Jesus somebody shout amen. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah begins to pray for rain after a long drought. He puts his head between his knees and he begins to pray. He sends his servant up the mountain and the servant comes back and he doesn't see anything. He does this seven times. He's unfazed by the fact that God has yet to answer his prayer. And finally the servant comes back and he says, I see a little cloud like a man's hand. Elijah gets up, he dusts himself off, and he receives that cloud as proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is going to send the rain. 
Now I want to go from a more general to a more specific application now. We've talked about the things that everybody has to see in order to advance. The things that you can't get around in the kingdom. That everybody has to go through that door. Jesus is the door. We're, we're, we know these things are not up for debate. Amen. But now I want to talk about your life, my life, our lives as individuals. I believe one of the greatest reasons that many people do not advance and to the next level is they cannot perceive that God is already moving on another dimension in small ways. And before you can begin to see God work in great miracles, you have to start accepting that God is working in the little areas of your life. Everybody's waiting for bodies, amen, to be resurrected, for tumors to fall off. But guess what? There's a lot more miracles going on around here than that. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, what some of you need is a fresh revelation that God is working in your life every day. And then beyond, I'm telling you, the devil's been lying to some of you and says you've stagnated. You're not going nowhere. And you've looked at your life and you've sat down and said nothing's happening. I'm telling you, it's time to accept anything that God gives you. If it's a cloud, go ahead and receive it, saint of God, because that means the rain is a coming. And I've come to preach to you, Aaron, that the devil has been lying and that God is moving and that God is working. before you proceed to the next level it's time to perceive that God has been working the whole time when you were on this level somebody shout amen I don't know about you, but I want to go to the next level. And then it's time that we start accepting all along God's been there. God's seen me through. And I'll take whatever I can get. I'm telling you, you know, there's just times there's just times where, you know, we're afraid to confess that little things are miraculous in our life sometimes. Because we're afraid of what people's perception of us is going to be. Getting that flat tire fixed on time. You know, depending on where you are in life, that flat tire can really break you. Amen. Go ahead and ask an evangelist. <laughs> You know, there's times in your life where it might seem small. I mean, you're almost embarrassed to tell anybody you prayed about it. I remember one time Elder Larry Booker told a story about losing the screw in his eyeglasses, and he prayed, and God helped him find it. You know, depending on where you are in life, the devil will play these games with your mind and tell you that, God ain't doing nothing great. God ain't doing nothing good for you. Nothing's happened in two years. When in reality, the fact that you're sitting here right now is a miracle. I'll tell you what the devil, uh, devil, I'll tell you what's happened in the last 24 months. I stayed in church for 24 months. I paid my tithes for 24 months. I put food on the table for 24 months. I went to church for 24 months. I'm telling you, I'm here, to I'm here to come against the lie of the devil that says God, amen, has not made the next dimension available to you. He has made it available, but because you could not perceive it, 
from the level you were at. Amen. You mistakenly, amen, lost your energy. But I'm here to preach to you tonight that you are going to another level. Hallelujah. Somebody give him some praise. Uh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel like Cornerstone is going to another level. Not because I'm preaching, but because you've been faithful and God's been faithful. And it's now time to look back and say, Lord, we perceived. Now let us proceed. I'm almost through. I promise I'm almost done. You have to see your man of God. In the book of 2 Kings, the Bible tells us that Elisha began to pursue Elijah more closely. The word on the block amongst all the prophets was that Elijah was to be taken. And so Elisha, knowing this, begins to follow his man of God more closely. He follows him from Bethel to Jericho all the way to Jordan. Now what we, over, what we often overlook is that there was an entire school of prophets. And they weren't following him like Elisha was. In fact, when it finally came to that final moment, where Elijah was to be taken off, taken up and caught away, the Bible says that the other prophets opted to stay on the banks of the Jordan River and watch the fireworks from some ways away. This was going to be a very private and special moment between God and Elijah. I don't know if this is politically correct to say, but, you know, they would say that Eskimos would walk out on the ice and they'd never see him again or mountain man would just go in the forest and, and never see him again. This was going to be one of those moments. And he looks back and here's Elisha. <laughs> Moses went up the mountain. No, nobody went with him. This really wasn't supposed to, how, supposed to be how it ended. Nonetheless, Elisha turns to Elijah and he says, as, he says, as the Lord liveth as you live, I, I'm, not, I'm not letting you out of my sight. And so finally, Elijah discerns that this young man wanted to go to another level. Because I know what this is about, young man. He says, what do you want? He says, I want a double portion of your spirit, your anointing. Now, some people think that he meant to say, I want to be twice as good as you are. That's not what he meant. That would be pretty insulting. <laughs> Amen. And kind of arrogant. Amen. To receive a double portion according to the law, signified that who the person who received that double portion was usually the firstborn. It was not so much about the possessions you would gain, but about the position you held with that person. He wasn't saying, I want to be twice as good. He, he was saying, I'd like to be the one who was remembered as closest to you. And so he says, young man, I know you want to proceed to the next level. But before you proceed, I need to know if you can perceive what's going to happen here in just a few moments. And he says, if you see me, when I go up, then your request would be granted. 
And the Bible says that the chariots of fire came out, came in between them, caught Elijah up. And as he stands there in awe, amen, I'm sure they made eye contact one last time. And the Bible says that mantle came falling down. Now what's interesting is as he came down the mountain, all of the other prophets recognized that this man, amen, had now assumed, amen, the rightful place as the successor to the ministry of Elijah. They even saw him part the river like, like Elijah had parted on the way up the mountain. And even though they acknowledge that, they say, they say to Elijah, they're saying, where's Elijah? And what's incredible about this entire little story is that none of them saw what happened. And it's hard to tell whether it's because they physically couldn't see it or they physically couldn't perceive it. It's hard to tell whether it was because their vision was obstructed physically or spiritually. Some commentators say at that moment, all of the gifts of prophecy in that land ceased and all of it resided with just Elisha. Which is why there's no other reports of prophets from the school of prophets from that era. And what I'm simply saying to you is that there is no advancing beyond the vision of what your pastor has already said. And if we're going to proceed, we must perceive what the man of God, I know I'm preaching good, hallelujah. And I'm telling you, there is no advancing beyond the vision that God has already planted in this church, in this congregation, in this city. And I wish to God, I mean, that all the devils of hell would know that there is a church that is going to get behind the vision that has already been cast. And say, we will not proceed any further until we perceive all that... Let me tell you why this is important. This is important because this is why I choose to be apostolic. You know why? Because Tertullian wasn't there when Jesus ascended. And when you are present at the ascension and at the final commissioning, amen, of anybody, and there's only been a few who this happened to, amen, just Elisha, amen, and Jesus Christ, Enoch was taken up, but nobody was there. But when you are there, it confers a level of authority that cannot be disputed. And I'm sorry, I don't, know, I don't care who they are and who thinks they're a church father. If they weren't on the Mount of Olives as Jesus ascended, they're not an apostolic father. That's why I choose to be apostolic. There is no revelation beyond I mean, what God gave the apostles. There is no doctrine beyond what God gave the apostles. I don't care what council. I don't care what creed. I don't care if it's the council of Nicaea, the council of Chalcedon. I don't care who it is, where they're from. If it's not Matthew, Peter, James, John, Andrew, I don't care what their name is, what their pedigree is. I'm apostolic from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. Oh, well, you apostolics need to study church history. We did, and we do. It's called the Book of Acts. The lost book of the Bible. Amen. It's part of the Apocrypha in most other churches. <laughs> Not really. Some of you got that. Amen. It's because there's dust on that book. As far as I'm concerned, church history is the book of Acts. Paul said to Timothy, thou hast fully known my doctrine. 
well, the doctrine, the Council of Nicaea, 325 A.D., I'm sorry. Mount Olivet, year one. Amen, because when you're there and when you're present, at a moment as powerful as that, you come down with authority that people can't deny. And so they said, well, uh, Elisha, we're going to go find, we're going to go find uh, uh, the prophet's body. He says, look, you can go up there. You're not going to find him. They should have taken his word because they spent three days and three nights searching and they found nothing. But the Bible says they began to bug him until he was ashamed. And finally he relented and kind of let them have their way. I'm telling you, don't let anybody ever make you feel ashamed amen for depending on just the on just the witness of the apostles i'm sorry i don't need carbon dating i don't need i, I don't need historical facts i'm telling you i believe in the account of the apostles all i need is the bible and all i need is the holy ghost i'm telling it's time for the apostolic church to rise up and with with boldness, amen, hallelujah, with courage, and stand up to the rest of the ill-informed and malinformed and misinformed denominal world and say, yes, all we have is the testimony of the apostles, and we need nothing else. Somebody stand to your feet and give him the praise. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to go to another level as the musicians come. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to go to another level. I'm telling you. Amen. It's time to perceive the mighty God in Christ. Amen. Because before you can see the kingdom, amen, you must be born again. And before you can enter, you must perceive the kingdom. Uh, somebody turn to your neighbor and say, before you proceed... You must perceive. What is the devil trying to hide from you? Amen. What is the devil trying to pull the wool over your eyes over? I'm telling you, if you're having trouble advancing in the kingdom, the roadblock is somewhere in this sermon tonight. I don't know where you are, saint of God. I don't know where you are, visitor. Maybe you're a new convert. I don't know where you are. But at some point... There is something the devil is trying to prevent you from seeing because he knows if you see it, you'll be able to proceed. This is why, you know, in the Bible, you couldn't mess with blind people. There's laws against that in the Old Testament. It's a crime. We're all born blind. We're born in sin. The God of this world has blinded us, has blinded them. And every day, people are absolutely oblivious to the fact that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's attainable. It's there right in front of them. We pass by them in the store. We see them every day, but they're blind. And sometimes we can come to the house of God, and we're oblivious to the fact that God has been working in our lives. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Cornerstone is going to another level. <laughs>
This church has been moving up. But there's no cap on it. But at some point, the reality is the congregation is made up of fabric of individuals. And it's not just about collective growth, but I'm telling you, God is working in every single life in this room. Listen, whether you believe me or not, and I'm praying tomorrow morning when you wake up, things are new all over, just like the first day you got the Holy Ghost. That you just get quickened, rejuvenated. That all of a sudden, the depression that was looming over you begins to just lift. All of a sudden, the financial doom and gloom that you thought would crush you begins to just lift. All of a sudden, that dark cloud that was over your marriage and your home begins to just lift. As you begin to have your eyes opened up by the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's lift our hands and begin to pray right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, today is your day. Because before you proceed, you must perceive. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, fully submerged in water, this is the church where you can be born again of the water and of the Spirit. If you've allowed the devil to lie to you and to tell you that nothing is happening and that all these small blessings in your life I mean, are simply happenstance, the results of the routine and the mundane, that's a life from hell. It's time for apostolic people to grab onto apostolic authority like never before. <laughs> the authority of the apostles. Amen. The authority of pastors. The authority of the man of God. It's time to latch onto it and say, as my soul lives. There's only one thing I want to see. Every head bowed, every hand lifted up toward heaven, every eye closed. As we begin to make our way to this altar, the devil is a liar. Somebody needs to start praying that right now. The devil's a liar. I'm going to another level. And then you're not washed up, you're not stagnant. You're not dying.